What if the most life-changing financial outcome for a startup isn't a billion dollars, but rather 250,000? How exactly does that 250,000 affect our lives, especially early in our careers? Could it potentially fast forward our lives by 10, maybe even 15 years? What risks do we run when we try to bet everything on a massive outcome at the expense of smaller, more likely outcomes? Today on the Startup Therapy Podcast, we're going to talk about how a $250,000 payout might be the most impactful outcome a founder or their team could have and what it buys us. Hello, fellow founders. This is Ryan Rutan from Startups.com, joined by my partner, Will Schroeder, for another episode of the Startup Therapy Podcast. You know, well, everybody talks about startups making money, but you don't hear a lot about the effects of that money with the team after the deal. Yeah. And what bothers me about that, and Ryan, you and I talked a lot about this in the past, is talking about the exit that you'll get to as a founder or among founders, but not talking about what you'll do with, in this case, the money from the exit is like only having half the equation. Right. right. If, the, if a big point was I wanted to get to this exit, but I'm having no real meaningful discussion about the, the, the fruits of that labor, sort of what was the point? Right. Right. <laughs> and, and you hear people talk about certain stuff, right? They're like, well, I'm going to spend more time on things that I'm passionate about. And like, wait a second. Did did you fill your account with passion? Is that why you exited the company? What, <laughs> what is that? Why you were waiting? Why are you waiting yeah. to be passionate? You can be passionate now. The exit is financial. So let's let's unpack it. It is. And, and, and I think that when people talk about what's a meaningful amount of money, they don't do all the math, right? No. They, 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 they say it's got to be tens of millions or hundreds of millions of dollars. And, you know, we talked about this on, on, on some of our, our episodes in the past. We said, does it? <laughs> right. Are you sure about that? Yeah. Do you think and, that's hubris or do you think that's ego? Do you think that's you think that's like, you know, if I were to say a smaller number, does that make me seem pathetic or less ambitious? Do I have to say a really big number to feel good about myself? I, I think that's true. You know, I, I think that there's a lot of value there, right? I think a lot of people are like, well, it's got to be a huge number. It's got to be a, a number so big that I sort of don't have to do the math, right? You know, it's 10, it's 20, right. it's 50, it's a hundred million dollars. I don't need to know to do the math. I just know that's a lot of money. Yeah. And it is. <laughs> it doesn't require any defense because nobody's going to go like, oh, you know, it's, you know, 50 million is nice, but right no, 50 million is really nice. So yeah, nobody's going to argue with you. It's just not necessarily the only number that's impactful, right? Like we get to a point where we forget or don't calculate exactly how much money we need to make a, a meaningful life choice, right? And I think what happens is we say, oh, it's got to be uh, a million or 10 million or, or a billion, right? And that sounds awesome. But if someone were to say, does it? Like, what happens if you make $250,000 and you scoff, right? Oh, $250,000, that's nothing. Right. Really? Have, have you made $250,000 in one lump sum check after taxes? It's actually yeah. a lot of money, right? And I, I think what what confuses folks a little bit is they just don't do all the math. They don't see the whole thing through. And I think if we're going to unpack it, let's figure out exactly how much 250K or a million or 10 million actually buys you. Yeah. 
just go down the laundry list of like, here's what I would do with the money. So what does it look like for you? Well, let's talk about what it looks like in different parts of the world, right? (laughs) Because I think as soon as we get into $250,000, there's going to be two camps. There's going to be a camp of some people that are like, are are they even literally talking about $250,000? It's all the money in the world because where where they're from is all the money. They're like, is that even a That's our GDP, right? That's the the gross product of my country. Right, right. Uh, And then there's this other camp that's going to be like, $250,000 doesn't get me an apartment in the shittiest part of town. Right. Are you you a freelance developer? Yeah, exactly. Right. And and so I think before we get to the, the, the topic, let's. Maybe we talk about, about like kind of our backgrounds respectively, Ryan, like you and I and kind of like, you know, what we've seen in and and in how our worldview came uh, came together. So like from your estimation, I know you've lived in different parts of the world, et cetera. Like what did 250K get you in the places you've been? Sure. And and boy, has the mileage varied depending on where I am. So the the most expensive location I have lived in personally uh, for an extended period of time, I've been in some very expensive cities short term. The most expensive place I lived long term was a tiny little island in the Mediterranean called Cyprus, which suffered from two problems for me personally, which is that it's an island, which is great. Don't get me wrong, but everything's more expensive on an island. Everything is shipped in. Right. So prices are already jacked. Number two, the time I moved there, they had the strongest currency in the world. It was something like, and I, I'm not going to get this exactly right, it was like $2.52 to the Cypriot pound. And so I was paying out the nose for everything because I was still Yikes. earning in dollars. And so right. it was it was crazy expensive. Everything was at a it was everything was at a premium. Since then, I've lived in you know places like the Midwest. You know, we we both have domiciled in uh, in Columbus, Ohio, where it's quite a reasonable place to live. I'm currently in Florida where it's pretty similar. Housing is the, is the sort of the one outlier. You can definitely spend a lot more on a house here, right? Depending on where you are, you can also spend a lot less. You know, we want to be near the water, so a little bit more expensive, but well worth it in, in the trade-off for me. We're getting ready to do our Guatemalan adventure where, you know, we're going to maintain our house here. We're also going to be spending time down there probably most of next year. And it goes a lot further down there, a lot further. Now <laughs> right, you can, right, right. like anywhere, you can find ways to spend it and make it disappear really quickly, but it will go significantly further. And I think this is a really kind of interesting and important distinction. As you get to a point where this becomes available to you, it's not just about the money. It's about what happened to get your business to that point. I think this is a great time. If you do get to your $250,000 event or your $150,000 event or your million dollar event, great time to kind of rethink like, where am I in life? What do I actually want to do with this? And where should I be to make that happen? So I think that talking about geography is a really important part of this. Yeah. And I I want to level set. So when when folks listen to what we're talking about, like I said, they don't automatically jump to either one of those camps. We're trying to point that, you know, we've got a little bit of a a worldview. Uh, You know, I've been mostly in the US myself. I grew up on the East Coast in Connecticut. I have a home in in Columbus, Ohio, um, but I also live in Beverly Hills. Right. And right. so uh, <laughs> if you want to talk about dramatic deltas in cost, I mean, I, I can kind of see m- my house in, in Columbus is, is uh, 10% of the cost of my house in Beverly Hills. I mean, it's not even remotely close. Right. Yeah. Um, You've got and we just a year's from- worth of mortgage. And one month's worth of mortgage. (laughs) So, so when we're talking about how far 250 K gets you, I just want to point out that, you know, we're, we're, we really are trying to kind of look across the entire gamut of where folks situations are. And so again, just caveat, your mileage may vary. 
but bear with us in this one because I, I think I think the points are going to be just as valid. So so all those caveats aside, uh, you know, let's let, let's dig into just a little bit about kind of what 250k does for you, particularly early in your career. Yeah, I think that I think that's another important distinction. So geography caveats included when this happens for you and what you've kind of accomplished financially prior to this happening has a huge bearing on on exactly what kind of event. And, and so with that, I'll, I'll share a bit of a personal story. So early in my career, I, I was fortunate enough to make a little bit of cash uh, when I was 22 years old. So, you know, pretty early in my career. And with that money, I went out and I bought an extremely modest house. I bought a car. I bought, I paid off my student loan debt. I bought all the furniture for my house, all within roughly the same year, right? It was, it was a fun year, right? Well, considering the year prior, I was $100,000 in personal debt. Like, you know, it was a dramatic swing. <laughs> it's a big swing. But it's a big swing. But this really interesting thing happened. You know, I'm sitting in my house and, and I've made endless trips to friggin' Bed Bath and beyond, you know, if there's time. And <laughs> all of a sudden, uh, the next month comes and all the stuff that I was normally spending money on, whether I was trying to, you know, furnish the house, whether I was trying to put money down in a car, whether I was trying to buy the house, was all taken care of. Yeah. And what was interesting Your revolving is, payments, some of them just disappear. It was, it, was, it was amazing, right? And all of a sudden, you know, I kind of get my next paycheck and I'm like, boy, all of the places that this money was going to go no longer has a, a reason to go there. Right. And it had this amazing effect where I was like, wait a minute, I'm only 22. For the next 10 to 15 years, I had planned on taking all of the extra cash that I could possibly save. And let's face it, when you're young, you don't save much cash and put it toward getting some furniture, you know, getting a couch or trying to get a car or trying to right. someday Three pay back my furniture that look like they belong in the same house. Oh my God. Yeah. And, and all I could think was, you know, every month, Figure, you know, if, if I had a, a typical job at that age, I was a, I was an internet founder, so I had kind of disproportionate cash. Uh, but if I had a regular job, maybe I'd save a few hundred dollars per month, you know, for the first few years. I'm so consumptive. You need literally everything, right? And after student loan bills and everything else like that, I wouldn't have much left over. So the way I saw it was for the next 10 to 15 years, every extra dollar that I have is going to wind up going to one of a few places. It's either going to go toward buying a house. It's going to go toward a car. It's going to go toward debt. In my case, it was mostly student loan and credit card debt. And it's going to go toward furnishing a house, something nobody ever talks about, but it's this like endless torrent of trying to right. get, get your house, you know, <laughs> finally up to speed. Yeah. But all of a sudden, like magic wand style, all of those things were taken care of. And all of a sudden now, every dollar that I got in was actual investable slash disposable income. For the rest of my life. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It, it puts you on a completely different plane in terms of your thinking, your stability, your risk tolerance, all sorts of stuff changes at that point. And here's what was the most interesting part about it. In my case, it was less than $100,000. It was less than $100,000 in a one-time lump sum payment to forever change the, the trajectory of my life. Yep. Right? Now... If someone had told me when I was starting a company that one day you might get $100,000 in a lump sum payment, like, well, it doesn't make, sound like a lot of money at all until right. you actually get it. 
right? <laughs> and, and, yeah. And so, you know, when that balance this, goes from, you know, I know I, I've got $1,200 in my account and I know where three times that much needs to go to I've got $100,000 in my account. It's life changing, right? It, absolutely. It's psychologically, practically, um, emotionally, everything changes at that point. Right. And so it, it's not just, you know, we talk about the, the, the founders getting a payout. But it's not just the founders. It's also the psychology of the team members, the employees yeah. getting a payout. We're like, well, my stake's only oh, worth man. this much. I'd only make 250K. I was like, have you ever made 250K? Like it's actually right. changes everything. Yeah, it does. And yeah. So so let's let's break it down. Let's say that uh, for 250K, and let's just for argument's sake, say it's post-tax money versus pre-tax money. Let's talk about what it buys you. First and most common thing I would argue is going to be down payment on a house. Yeah, I think that's right. a, it's a it's a good one. It's a big one, and it's a milestone that most people have already set. Correct, and especially if you're early in your career, uh, it's probably you know your first house. Median home in the U.S. is around two hundred thousand uh, dollars. But let's say we were buying a five hundred thousand dollar house. Again, in some parts of the country, they don't those don't even exist, right? But for the most part, and certainly outside the U.S., that you know that's not uncommon. So let's say we're putting twenty percent down on a five hundred thousand dollar house that puts us at a hundred thousand dollars of our two hundred fifty k, right? probably the biggest single swing we would make, but that's in some parts of the country, like in Columbus, Ohio, that's a hell of a lot of house. And by the yeah, way, Columbus is like most cities in, in, in the U S. Yep. Next thing we want to, we want to put a car in the driveway. I wouldn't recommend this. And as a guy who started swap to get you in and out of car leases, I would never recommend paying, <laughs> paying full price for a car a cash, but let's say you wanted to, you know, you want this dream of not having a car payment and you want to roll in style. You wanted to get a, a BMW, let's say like a three series BMW, right? And you paid 40K in cash for it, okay? Terrible idea, by the way. By, by all means, don't do that. Yes. Right? But let's just imagine you did, right? Now you've got a brand new house and you've got your three series BMW that you're showing off, right? Now you got to furnish the house. Now, uh, as you know, Ryan, like there's a lot of ways to go about furnishing your house, but I'm going to argue that you could probably get started for around $60,000 in cash, right? That at least it buys doesn't. Some- I think on a $500,000 house in Columbus, Ohio, based on the size that I'm picturing, that does the job, it does the job nicely. And it'll look like you actually meant to buy all the furniture. <laughs> You're replacing all of your Ikea, right? Yep. Or, or, or adding some more. But regardless, now you got about 50K left, right? And with 50K, I'm going to argue that a lot of people could probably clear out some important balances. I'm talking about student loan balances, credit card balances, et cetera, right? Enough that you could probably clear all of your debt, if not make a substantial uh, cut into your debt. And all of that would total 250K, right? Now, your mileage, once again, may vary, but let's just unpack for a second what that just did for you, right? Um, First off, half that money went to things that you actually have equity in, right? So yeah. you, you put $100,000 in your house. It's not gone. You still have the equity in the house. So, right. so that money isn't totally uh, gone. And still that should rec- appreciate. Yeah, right? exactly. That right? should appreciate. Absolutely. Wouldn't recommend putting all your cash into a car, but if you did, it's going to depreciate, but there is yeah. some asset there, right? So yeah. you've got, call it maybe 130K of, of, uh, of equity, if you will, 100 in your house and 30 in your quickly depreciating BMW. And this is suggesting that you're spending all the money and you have no savings left over or anything else like that. Not recommending that. Just pointing out that you could, right? Also pointing out that that once you did all these things, you got house, you got car, you got furniture, all the stuff that was totally consumptive for the next 10 to 15 years of your life, now you have all this net income. Right. 
right? I mean, that's the part that people don't think about, right? They said, well, if I had bought everything, when I get my next paycheck and, and I have no bills to pay, so to speak, I've got a mortgage to service, but I don't have any, um, any of your know, debt to service, et cetera. What you can start doing with that extra cash, like heaven forbid, yeah. saving and or investing. <laughs> right. And at a much higher rate, right? There's significant acceleration at that point. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and by all means, you know, uh, keep a little bit of cash cushion in, in the bank, but that's on 250 K. And again, we're not talking about salaries here. We're talking about actual payouts. You know, yep. either the company is sold or, or you sell off a portion of the company. Remember a lot of founders take money off the table by selling off a portion of the company, not all of the company or the company gets, gets bought and you're still working there. Right. Yeah. But, but uh, you know, now you're taking your, your equity payment off the table. All of those things are incredibly life-changing. However, once you've done that, right? Like, like once you've bought the house, bought the car and bought all the furniture and all of these things, if you make money on top of that, that's what I'd kind of call next level money, right? Yeah. Because let's say, let's use a number of, let's say use maybe a million, right? If you had a million dollars that you could take off the table, which again, people hear a company sold and like, oh, the founder made a million dollars. That doesn't sound like a lot. Dude, you ever make a million dollars? Right. <laughs> it's yeah. so much money, right? And what that tends to do, assuming you don't just add zeros to all of those down payments and getting in cars you just bought. Well, that's, um, that's a common outcome. Yeah, yeah. But but it creates a cash cushion, right? And it, it, it starts to give you this, this nest egg that most importantly, again, let's let's assume for a minute, you know, you've you've got that million dollars, and you know, you you've used maybe a couple hundred thousand to to buy some of the things we were talking about, and you've got call it seven hundred thousand dollars plus left. You can't live off, you know, live off the uh, the investment on that unless you did Bitcoin for a second. But yeah, what will you the right time? Yeah, yeah. But what you can do is probably solve nearly any cash problem you're going to run into for the rest of your life, right? Like. Ryan, think about that. Like, like what problems could exist that $700,000 couldn't solve? You know what I mean? Short of just something. I have always wanted to be six foot six. <laughs> Lots of luck to that. But you know what I mean? Like with hundreds of thousands of dollars in the bank, there aren't a lot of problems you can run into that you can't have that nest egg to cover. But I don't think that's the way people think, right? They don't think about it in tiers. As in the 250K tier advances me 10 to 15 years of my life be, uh, financially because of all the things yeah. I was going to otherwise save for and now cover. Yep. The million dollars or whatever that next level is beyond the, 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 the cost it takes to buy your first things, that starts to give me the optionality to fix every problem that I'm going to have for the rest of my life. Right? Right. Who gets to say that? Not very many people, unfortunately. Right. And if you're one of the few people in history that's ever been given that luxury, why wouldn't you want to do everything possible to out, to optimize for that outcome? Sure. Sure. But let's, let's talk about taking it stepwise. Okay. Right? Because I think that, I think that there's still going to be some sense of, of people. I, I can still hear people out there scoffing at the, at the 250 K. Right. Okay. I can still, yeah. I can, I still hear it. Right. They're like, yeah, well, just like, I want to aspire to something more. And, and, and we're saying the same thing, like, sure, aspire to something more, 
And I think we've said this before, but like, you know what always comes before a million? 250K. Like you're going <laughs> to pass that point, whether you, whether you take it in liquid cash or not, right. you went past that mark at some point. And so I think that, um, you know, you've talked about it in terms of base hits versus home runs and, you know, wanting to make sure that these bets pay off exponentially. But let's let's do talk about the fact that these exponential outcomes are truly far less likely. We're not saying they're not going to happen, yes. but statistically, they are a lot less likely to happen. Absolutely. So, and I think this is where the power of this discussion really comes in to say that, like, look, guys, not that it's easy to get a $250,000 payout, but it is a lot more likely than the million dollar payout. And it's not a bad thing. Right. And incidentally, if you can make that happen, getting to the million dollar payout and beyond becomes a lot easier because it takes off a lot of the pressures. Right. Like you said, you can solve a lot of problems for yourself. You're ongoing cash needs become significantly less because you've removed a lot of the typical payments or reduced them at least so that Absolutely. your cash flow is that much that much easier that much better you can start to invest more in the business and do and in and, and yourself uh, so I think that that's a really important point for people to understand that it's a lot easier to hit that 250k mark and that it's also life-changing right it, it, it is and, and look when, when people talk about, hey, you know, I, I want to have a big exit, that's wonderful, right? And the truth is, you don't get to pick your exit. It's not quite that simple. It's not like, well, I'm only selling if it's, you know, 10 million or more. Dude, the, like the probability that you as a founder will ever even get to have that discussion with somebody is so unlikely to begin with that yep. you don't get to say it's got to be 10 million, it's got to be a billion, et cetera. If you're fortunate, I won't say lucky, but entrepreneurs are fortunate, never lucky. If you're fortunate enough to ever build a business to the point where you can even have that discussion to create a liquidity event for your company, hallelujah, yes. right? right? Exactly. <laughs> Best thing yep. ever, right? But there's there's no version where we can have this this kind of this this cockiness that says, well, my business has to be at least this big for an exit. It's it's right. it doesn't work. Billion that dollars way. are bust. Right? Yeah, it, it <laughs> does not work that way. However, the only place, and I think Ryan, you're saying this, the only place that we get into trouble is when we say it has to be giant, that anything smaller than giant isn't meaningful. By all means, if you can make it giant, make it giant, dude. Right. But don't write off any other outcome because if you don't know where that money is going to go, that you're increasing your risk profile to get to, you're making a shitty decision. You are. And right. you're also treating it as if it's a binary decision, as if if I take it, this isn't let's make a deal, right? This isn't if I take the 250K, I have to walk off the game show. This right. is get to a really good outcome for yourself, change your life, change your stability, change your mindset, and then keep moving forward, right? This is and should be a milestone that is helpful on your way to bigger outcomes. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the, the point is, this doesn't have to be your last hurrah. Right. Correct. If you're 25 years old and you sell a business and you're able to put $250,000 in your bank account, let's just play that out for a second. Number one, you're one of a fraction of 1% of people that will ever have that luxury. So to even yep. think for a second like that, that's not a big enough number, that's a horrible way to consider it. Right. Number two, you're 25 years old. Right. You, you, yeah. Your career hasn't even started yet. 
right? I can't even remember 25. Yeah, I know. It, it seems like a million years ago, but but I, but when you are 25, you think that's like, well, damn, I've been working for five solid years. You know, I've been at this forever, right? <laughs> it was just, you lose a little perspective. I, I was there. I, I had the same the same issue with perspective, so I get it. But the, the truth is, you have another 40 years to go do amazing things, right? The fact that you, you got to win this early, take it and, and celebrate like crazy because few people ever get that, right? Another part of it, you know, when, when you're thinking about why this is important, especially early in your career, is what you talked about, Ryan. All of a sudden, you can take risks that your peers can't take. You already have a yep. house, right? Yep. You don't have to worry that this risk is going gonna, is gonna to have you going broke and you can't afford to ever have a house, right? You have all the things that everyone else is hoping their risk would get to. Okay, so we get that $250,000 can be life-changing. I think we, we kind of agree on that. Hopefully, everybody that's listening is starting to agree that that would be a great outcome. Even the million-dollar mark rate can fundamentally change life. So why is everybody so caught up with these, these astronomical numbers, like $10 million or more? Right. Everybody thinks, I, I need to make enough money, and they kind of run this rough calculation that I'll never have to work again. I need I need to make enough money in one lump sum so that the interest I'm making uh, I can live off that like a king. It make at least as much money that I'm making as I'm making now. Hang on a second. So I'm I'm gonna work really hard to drive an outcome so that I can be bored for the rest of my life. <laughs> we should probably talk about that too, right? Yeah. I, I always make the joke that. Anybody who is ambitious enough to get to a point where they could make money th that they'd never have to work again wasn't the kind of person that would never want to work again. Right? Yeah, mean, it sounds like death to me. Yeah, like so they, but my dad was a carpenter, right? He worked his ass off. He was so sore all the time every day. He never wanted to work again, right? You know, like, like, like he looked at work as absolute hell that he never wanted to do again. And if he never had to pick up a hammer ever again, he would be the happiest guy alive, right? That makes sense to me, right? I get yeah. it. A lot of the folks, particularly founders, built something that they were passionate about. Now it's probably run them through the ringer, right? They we sure. all probably need a year <laughs> vacation minimum, yep. right? But that's not the same as saying I never want to work again, right? It's saying yeah, no. I need a fucking break, right? It's right. a little well, bit different. I think your dad probably said the same thing, right? It's, it wasn't that I, I never want to do anything again. He's like, I certainly don't ever want to see another hammer again, but there are probably a lot of other things I would like to work on, right? Maybe change what you're doing, but it's not, yeah, it's not just a binary, like now I stop. Right. And, and look, a big part of what we're implying, if we're not altogether saying it is, I want to wake up in the morning and do what I want to do, not what I have to do. Yes. Right. It's not that I don't want to work. It's that I don't want to work because I have to. Uh, I don't want to feel unsafe. And I think at, at its core, we all want to feel safe. Right. Yeah. So when we're talking about that, that $10 million or $100 million number, we're not necessarily saying I have to have the yacht. I have to have the big house. We're saying I want to unquestionably go to bed at night and just feel safe. Right. Yeah. And I, now, I think that's it. It's not that we even need a break necessarily, because I would like to think that the vast majority of founders and entrepreneurs are already doing part of what you just talked about, which is to wake up and get to do something they want to do every day, right? Not something they have to do. Hopefully that's the state of mind that they're in. Of course, that changes over time. And, and certainly the longer something takes to get to a point where you can ease off the gas a little bit can wear you out. But I'd like to think that the vast majority are in that situation. And so I think your point around security is absolutely on the mark. And that's really what people are striving for is to be able to say that like, at this point, I'm unassailable. I've achieved enough that 
I'm immune to most of the life circumstances that could otherwise unsettle me. Right. And I think they overshoot the mark in order to get that feeling. Right. (laughs) Right. Uh, Yeah. And and so, so let me go back to my million dollar number, just compare the two at a million dollars. Assuming you spent a few hundred thousand dollars to kind of get settled in, in life. The, the remaining amount of cash you have, uh, again, if you invest it reasonably, isn't going to be, I'm set for life, I never have to work again. It's going to be, I'm set for life, I never have to worry again. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and I've got enough of a cushion that it's very unlikely a curveball is going to take me out of the game. Right. And if we were to put it on a scale of safeness, that probably gets you to 80% safety. Right. Like in other words, the remaining 20% just something like, hey, I just don't feel like working, but I don't have enough active income or passive income to uh yes. to make that happen. Yep. But dude, 80% is pretty far. Most people never get past zero percent, right? That's right. <laughs> They're in a negative That's part right. of that, right? You're and still so, at a point where you have to work. Your money can't solely do the work for you at a million dollars, but it completely changes the context in which you're working. Correct. And I think what happens is As we set our expectations, especially if we set hard expectations, meaning it has to be this or nothing, and we start to make decisions on what startup we want to go work for or how we want to raise capital or all these other decisions where we've got this big number in mind, remember, every time we move up the scale on what we want that outcome to be or what we're not willing to accept you know, less than, we exponentially increase our probability that it will never happen. Right. So if if 250K in a single payout puts you in the 1% of people that ever get a payout, 10 million probably puts you in the 1% of that 1%. Is that really all you'll accept? And are are you are you saying I would rather not be able to, you know, get the 250K and and buy my house and and buy my furniture, et cetera, or get to a million and never have to worry about a big problem again? I'd rather rule those out because the only answer I can I can hear is that I have to never work again. That just sounds yeah. crazy to me. It is. Well, it is crazy. And, and again, going back to this notion that they're not binary. Those are not mutually exclusive outcomes unless you start to only aim for the big outcomes. And then I think you you also, in addition to exponentially reducing your likelihood of hitting that outcome, you're also reducing the likelihood of hitting the smaller outcomes because you're not going to be thinking about them. You're not going to be open to those opportunities when they come along. It's going to change your thinking in such a way that those opportunities don't avail themselves to you. And so you're really setting yourself up for both a short and a long-term disappointment when you could have just been happy the whole time. You know, I had a buddy of mine uh, about a year or so ago come to me and a really, really talented guy. And he was considering a couple different companies that he wanted to go to. One of the companies was uh, within one year of going public, right? It was a well-known tech company. It was within one year of going public. The others were all um, uh, earlier stage companies. Uh, they, they happened to all be venture-funded companies with some top-tier VCs. So, so they were some pretty mm-hmm. interesting opportunities. And he said to yeah. me, he's like, I'm considering the one where it's it's a guarantee that my, my equity will get liquid because they're going to go public, but I don't get that much equity. Yep. You know, I'm on, the, I'm on the tail end of this deal. Or these other deals were obviously, I don't know what the outcome could be but I absolutely think it would be a a home run if it works. And I, and my advice to him was, dude, take the money. (laughs) I mean, if you go to a company and you can optimize for the probability that you'll actually get paid, take that job. Right. Incidentally, he did. He's just finishing his beautiful new house in the lake. Right. And he says to me, he's like, that's probably the right move. Guess what? Those other companies I would have taken the job for aren't around anymore. Right. They are. And guess what? 
25,000 more have taken their place and those moonshot opportunities will always be there. Now he has exactly. that cushion, the stability, this different risk tolerance and not just a tolerance from from a psychological standpoint because you can always just think risky, but being at that level where you have this this risk tolerance and risk protection that he now has, he can play the game completely differently. It's funny you should say game, because what I was going to say is, you know, as you know, I'm an avid video gamer. And in video games, there's a concept of a game save point, right? You know, you're playing the yeah. game and you're trying to get to a game <laughs> save point so you never have yep. to go backward, right? Right. I don't want to repeat this. I don't want to repeat this. I don't want to repeat this. <laughs> exactly, I mean. right? Get to a game save point in life, right? My friend, what I was suggesting to him said, man, get to a game save point, right? Take that one year where the company is going to go public. Take that money, buy your house. Now you're at a game safe point. You're at a point in life where you can keep playing the game going forward, but for once you yep. never have to go backward. Yeah, right? you've got a backstop at that point. Exactly. And I don't think people get that, right? I don't think founders, because, because again, we've all been brainwashed that it's this all or nothing kind of grand slam mentality. And it's a dangerous mentality because it, it, the, the, that narrative needs a little bit of sobriety to it. Oh, for sure. And, well, so, and, so let's talk about that then. Yeah. Let's, let's dig into setting your expectations um, and, and kind of metering those against reality. Right. And, and so, so here's the first gate I would use on expectations. There's a 99% chance you're going to come up with nothing at all. You know, there's no version of this, 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 this slide ruler where you say, well, I'm going to add a little bit more risk and because I want a little bit more money, like it's a game show, right? It doesn't <laughs> right. work like that. Yeah. Or your prudential account. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. You have, you have a 99% chance that you're getting nothing out of this, right? Now, if you happen to wind up in the 1% category where there's some sort of outcome, the slider goes way exponential, right? If you can even get to the point where you ever sell something, at the bottom of that 1% slider are the people who will, will sell for anything. You know, they'll, they'll get $50,000 off the table. Yep. At the top of the slider is the guy that got billion plus. There's like five guys at the top of that slider, you yeah. know, at any given yeah, year, yeah. right? So it's a very think, oddly shaped pyramid. Yeah, exactly, right? Like to think that you're going to just choose to be at the top because you really wanted it, not going to happen, right? Yeah. And so, so when we're setting our expectations, the first expectation has to be, I don't get to automatically assume that I'm going to make any money at all. I have to say, if I even get to that threshold where I can sell something, where I can cash out, even then, the more I try to, to make a decision that, oh, I'm going to go for more, go for more, go for more, I exponentially increase my risk that I get nothing at all. Well, the funny thing about going for broke is that's usually where you end up. That's <laughs> exactly where you've wound up, right? And so... For me, when I try to sit down with, with my, my friends who are founders, and, and I got to tell you, like you know, all over the map, I've got friends who've, who've made $50,000 and they're the happiest people in the world. I've got friends in the past year that have made hundreds of millions of dollars. They're pissed about it, right? Which blows my whole. <laughs> we'll have a whole other podcast about that. Yeah. Right. Right. But, but, but my point is, in either case, their outcome was directly tied to their expectation. In other words, uh, not the outcome of financially, I mean, how they felt about it. Right. Oh, yeah. If if everyone tells you you have to be making hundreds of millions or you're a failure, then you're going to feel like a failure. If none of your friends have ever seen fifty thousand dollars, as far as they're concerned, you're a billionaire. Yeah, that's exactly it. Which which leads me to my last point that, that I just want to make. And I it, it goes in, in the form of kind of 
anyone who says $250,000 or any other amount isn't a lot of money probably doesn't have it, right? And, so, and I see That's, this yeah. in startup forums uh, and I see, you know, hey, an exit, oh, that wasn't a big exit, you know, that they only sold for a few million dollars. And what's funny is consistently who I rarely hear make that criticism are the people who actually have sold for that much money or have sold for more money, right? Yes. It's so easy to say, oh, that was a tiny outcome. Ah, guy only made 250K. Right. Um, I would have waited it out. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I always think to myself, man, if someone gave you a briefcase with $250,000 in cash in it, you wouldn't be pushing it back. You know, y- your attitude wouldn't be, oh, that's just not a lot of money. I'm, n- I'm not interested in that kind of money. Y- Don't be- you have a weekend bag? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You'd be the happiest person alive, right? And so- With good reason. It's yeah. It's enough money. Yeah, you know, I've, I've got, again, a couple founder friends over the, the past year. I remember having uh, lunch with one of them and he's like, yeah, you know, we, we sold for 25 million and I only took about 10 million off the table. And I was like, what? Only took 10 million. Like, I mean, he, yeah. he uh, trust me, it was life changing for him. He's a great guy. Right. And, and he, he genuinely appreciated everything that it did for him. So I, I don't want to make him sound undeserving. He absolutely earned it. And he was appreciated. Well, well, let's talk saying, about why he said that. He yes. said that because yes. he expected everybody else to think that he should say that. Right. It wasn't about how he felt about the outcome. It was about how he thought he should feel about the outcome in everybody else's eyes, right? Like, well, it was only 10 million, right? I got to say that because, well, it was only 10 million because somebody else sold a completely different company somewhere else under completely different circumstances and got a different outcome. Like, so what? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and, and, and I, remember, I was sitting down with him. I was like, dude, you never need to work again. Like not in a meaningful way. Like you, you have enough money, not even just like a live off the interest thing. I mean, you have so much money yeah, that yeah. you could take a decade off, right? And not yep. work, right? And, and he, to his credit, he did understand that. But within the circle, you know, of his influence and other folks, he got the sense that 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 wasn't a big enough number. God, does that piss me off? I probably spent the entire lunch telling him uh, why that was so much money and then hopefully sticking with the check. (laughs) Let's hope so. Yeah. But seriously, I mean, if you are so fortunate in this life to get to that exit one time, you know, I don't care if it's 50K, 250K, 25 million there is no shame in that game, right? Any entrepreneur, any founder, Ryan, that you and I ever meet that has ever had the good fortune to be in that 1% of people yeah. that ever sees that outcome, man, high fives all around, right? You are the man Seriously. slash woman. And, and so I think that the, the narrative around how income is kind of calibrated and, and what those outcomes look like need to be very, very, very different. that's going to do it for this episode of the startup therapy podcast but in the meantime if you love what we're doing head over to itunes and subscribe and comment if you want to contact us directly we're not hard to reach email us at therapy at startups.com will and i respond to every email that comes in please don't be shy what we learned today is a tiny fraction of the help that you can get from startups.com whether you need to learn how a startup gets built to find a mentor or raise capital To find new customers, or if you just need to connect with founders who are dealing with the same shit you are, you'll find it on startups.com. With all that said, let's get back to building our startups. This is Ryan Rutan for my partner, Will Schroeder, and the entire startups.com community saying goodbye for now, friends. (laughs) 